Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. Twelve new prospects are on their way to Indy. Uh, Today we're going to dive into the Colts selections, we're going to give our grades, we're going to discuss which which players we're most excited to see play at Lucas Oil. Also, we talk about our biggest surprises from the draft overall and predict who will take home Rookie of the Year honors. A lot to get into about the NFL draft. It was an exciting three days. It had all the things that you love about it. You had the emotions, you had the drama. Uh, one of my favorites uh, moments from the from the weekend was I don't know his name entirely, but uh, it's Deuce Vaughn's I think father. Um, oh yes, where uh, he got to make the call uh, basically. That was him, that was really cool. Yeah, that he was going to be drafted by the Cowboys. So that's really neat. You had a lot of cool moments like that. Um, B Scott, though, how was your week, man? Did you, how much of the draft did you enjoy? Did you enjoy all of it? What, what was your uh, what was your draft weekend experience? Yeah, I, I mean, you know me with the draft. I, I love it. Um, I watched all of Thursday night, all of Friday night, and majority of Saturday. I had a family dinner to attend Saturday night. But luckily, at the restaurant, they had the draft on. So I was, uh, you know, with the family eating dinner and also keeping my eye on the drafts uh, for the seventh round. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was fun this year. I actually got to cover it a little bit uh, for my FCS account. But uh, we didn't. There wasn't really any FCS players. There was three players drafted in the first three rounds, uh, mostly coming in round two and three. On the second day from the FCS, uh, leading the way was my sleeper, one of my guys. I said could sneak into the first round. That was Cody Mock from North Dakota State. But hey, what a great draft! I mean, so many fun, compelling storylines. Like you said, emotions. Yeah, the Deuce Vaughn thing that was awesome. Um, like Will Levis falling to the, the second day. Um, and then the, the weird incident uh, between Lucas Van Ness's father and Lucas Van Ness's <laughs> yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, you, you just never know what, what you're going to get with the NFL draft. And I, I love it, especially with like the, the, the cameras that are like the Skyping into a prospect's home for their party. Um, but yeah, so much emotion. I mean, so cool. That's why I. That's why I love this draft. It's just, it's just a, you know, one of the, the coolest times of the year. Yeah, and it was an amazing uh, weekend. That's for sure. We saw forty three trades happen uh, throughout the course of this weekend. That breaks the record of forty that happened back in twenty nineteen. Uh, the Texans they came out of the they came out of yeah, the, the the shoots hot. They were ready to. I'm go. glad you brought them up because. That I mean, okay, yeah, great. You got your quarterback of the future in C.J. Stroud, and then you were still able to land Will Anderson. That looks great and everything on paper. But look, the Texans are still a ways away from being a true contender in the AFC South, and they really just kind of blew up their rebuild. They, I mean, to be able to move back in to the third spot, they gave up. I mean, yes, if you're looking no. to rebuild, I, I mean, say. it is. It, it's. They didn't give up as much as I thought they were going to. They gave up, but um, it's still, it's kind of like, it's a very risky move. Because now, look, everybody, you're looking at towards 2024, everybody is like, hey, the Arizona Cardinals might stink next year. So right now, there's a lot of uh, way too early mock drafts. And they also say, and the Houston Texans are still going to stink next year, too. 
So a lot of these mock drafts actually have the Arizona Cardinals picking one and two. They have them because Houston gave them their first round pick for next year. And then the Arizona's own pick. So they have them like going Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. It's just like ridiculous. It's like, can that really happen? Is this going to happen? Like Houston, you set up a weird possibility Um, because apparently it has happened before. 1992, the Indianapolis Colts actually selected one and two that year you have any idea who they who they picked i don't know the answer i didn't know if you if you knew um i feel like that was the year that they took jeff george maybe i thought jeff george was closer to no i guess it wouldn't have had it could it couldn't have been because it was i think when jeff george then it went like harbaugh and then it went manning right it was that like that was the order yeah something like that but anyway yeah, yeah. i mean um but yeah i mean hasn't happened something like that hasn't happened since 1992 so it'll be interesting because i i don't know i don't think the arizona cardinals are going to stink that bad like to be a, a top five top two pick on their own but houston honestly has a, a, a possibility of landing arizona in an amazing draft pick to land an amazing talent um so yeah could be fun yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting. I I personally I like the move. I mean, it's 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 ballsy for sure. I mean, it, it's it's something that um you know you're not really used to seeing. And I don't I don't know that yeah it did cost them a lot of draft capital. But man, I mean, we always talk about you know what Chris Ballard does to to get draft capital. I mean, that's what that's what you can do with it when you have all that draft capital. You can afford to go up and select you know second. Be like, hey, you know what? We can't decide between between Stroud and uh and Anderson. Let's go out and get them both, man. Let's let's go do the thing. So I mean, you know, this this was a total I mean, Have you ever seen the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner? So I've seen bits and pieces of it on uh on TikTok because the the trend now is to cut up sections of a movie on TikTok and put it up there. So I've I know enough to like know what's going on. Um but um but yeah, so I, yeah, so but that that is exactly what Kevin Costner's character did as the GM of the Browns, and he like made all these moves, and it was just like all of a sudden he got both players that he truly coveted, and it was it's it, this this was exactly the plot of that movie. Yeah. Um. Now looking a little bit deeper at the picks by conference and school, the SEC had sixty two selections. Georgia and Alabama each with ten. A lot of the Georgia players going to the Eagles. Uh, Michigan headlined the Big Ten with nine of the with nine of the conference's fifty five selections. The ACC saw thirty two players selected. Uh, Clemson uh, and Pitt both had six. The Big Twelve had thirty picks. The Pac twelve had twenty seven. The AAC led the group of five with ten selections. Notable picks for Indiana schools. Um, just going down the list here, you saw Corey Trice go to the Steelers. Uh, the Bengals got Charlie Jones, the wide receiver there. Aiden O'Connell, quarterback, goes to the Raiders. Payne Durham, the tight end, goes to the Buccaneers. And Jalen Graham lands with the 49ers. Uh, from Notre Dame, uh, Michael Mayer is taken by the Raiders. Uh, so we have two Purdue uh, players going to the Raiders there. Or, sorry, two nope, uh, Indiana players going to the Raiders, yeah. is what I mean. Um, we uh, Isaiah Foskey goes to the Saints. Um and uh, Jarrett Patterson goes to the Texans late and then one cool that's a, note is that's uh, a good move by the Texans. The Chiefs were able to get a player from Ball State, uh, Ball State quarterback yeah. Nick Jones. So some cool things happening there. Um and you know so uh, we had a you know over you know two hundred and fifty some selections and twelve of those 
were the Colts. Uh, they were able to just uh, go, you know, do what they've always done, uh, kind of in draft day, is you know, turn you know however many picks into you know, <laughs> just basically you know, not really doubling the army, picks, but yeah, getting a, a, <laughs> a nice little contingent coming in uh, to Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, in 2023, um, looking at the selections for the Colts, uh, round one, pick four, they go out and get Anthony Richardson, uh, quarterback out of Florida. Great selection there. Uh, last season in Gainesville, he completed 54% of his passes for 2,549 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks. He also ran for 654 yards and nine touchdowns. Round two, pick 45, Kansas State cornerback Julius Brents. Uh, goes to the horseshoe. Uh, he was a 2022 first team member of uh, the Big 12, all Big 12 team. Uh, four interceptions. That was tied for third in the Big 12. Round three, pick 79. Uh, the Colts go out and get North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs, uh, who had back to back 100 or who had back to back thousand yard seasons uh, the last couple of years. Uh, he had 1,335 yards, eight touchdowns in 2021. Follows that up with 1,029 yards, 11 touchdowns in 2022. He was a two-time recipient of first-team All-ACC honors uh, and had the second-most receptions in FBS the past two seasons with 195. His player comp is Tyler Lockett, which, heck, if you have uh, if you play fantasy football, you know how electric Tyler Lockett can be uh, to have on your team. Uh, round four, uh, the Colts were able to get two picks in that round, uh, fairly close to each other. At 106, they get BYU offensive tackle Blake Freeland. At 110, they get Northwestern defensive end Adi Tamiwa Ad- Adibare. Uh, made sure and went to NFL.com to make sure I had the pronunciation right there. Uh, he was an honorable mention, all Big Ten uh, member in 2022. He led the Wildcats in sacks with five, 38 tackles, nine for loss, and two forced fumbles uh, in the 2022. Campaign. Then four picks for the Colts in round five. Uh, at 138, they get South Carolina cornerback Darius Rush. He had 15 pass breakups, three picks throughout his career. Um, he had a career high 38 tackles in 2022. His player comp is Richard Sherman, uh, wow. according to CBS. So that's some high praise okay. there. Um, if the Colts can get hey, uh, and that's a that's a Gus Bradley guy. Yeah. For you. For sure. Round uh, five, pick 158. The Colts get Cal safety Daniel Scott. No relation to B. Scott there. Uh, top five in the Pac-12 in, I- in INTs last year with three. He had two forced fumbles, uh, which also had him in the top five in that category last year. Round five, pick 162. The Colts get Miami tight end Will Mallory, uh, who was a member of the 2022 second team All-ACC squad. 538 yards and three touchdowns last season. Um, he He's among he's uh, one of the ten among he's among the uh, FBS tight ends for the last two seasons. Uh, he's top ten there, um, you know, as far as uh, receiving yards. Uh, round five, pick one seventy six. Um, you have Northwestern running back Evan Hall. Um, he had a thousand and nine yards and seven touchdowns in twenty twenty one. Nine hundred and thirteen yards and five touchdowns last season. Five hundred and forty six yards and two touchdowns came in the passing game. Uh, for uh, Evan Hall last season, his player comp is Rex Burkhead, uh, which was a a, a good uh, you know kind of out of the backfield um, you know target uh, with the uh, Patriots. Uh, round six, pick two eleven. The Colts get Wagner linebacker Titus Leo. 
Round 7, uh, pick 221, the Colts nab Texas A&M cornerback Jalen Jones, who allowed no touchdowns, um, and quarterbacks had a 38.5% completion percentage with throwing his way in 2022, so a real lockdown player. I mean, that's numbers in the ACC right there, uh, which is pretty incredible. And then rounding out the Colts draft, round 7, pick 236, is Northern Michigan offensive tackle Jake Witt. So there you go, 12 players on their way to the Circle City, and when we look at a grade uh, for this draft, I was trying to think of where I wanted to go with it. Last season, I gave Ballard a solid B. Um, this year, I'm going B+. Plus. Um, I, I know I've seen some places that give him you know, an A, A-. minus. Um, I'll get to why it's not that uh, here in a second. Um, but, uh, I mean, you look at the average grade of the top six players for the Colts this year, um, you know, through which goes through the start of round five. Uh, ESPN graded them out on an average of a B. It's like right at 80%. Uh, and, I mean, they went right down the line as far as getting the team's biggest needs. I mean, you know, I talked about last, you know, in our draft preview show for the Colts that, uh, you know, they needed a quarterback, a cornerback, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, and that's they went in that order too. They were like, okay, what's the checklist? All right, we got our quarterback. Hey, we got our wide receiver. Or, hey, we got a cornerback. Hey, we got our offensive lineman. Um, you know, there are some things I thought, like, I could nitpick um, that I thought, you know, hey, I'd, I'd rather see this player in a Colts uniform. Uh, like, for instance, Joey Porter Jr. or, or uh, Keely Ringo at the cornerback position. I talked about Jalen Hyatt um, out of Tennessee as a sleeper there. Uh, but to those points, I mean, Julius Brents is the tallest uh, of the cornerback prospects in the top 10, and he's, which, I mean, is a huge attribute to have, um, you know, being one of the tallest guys in that category, and he's still a great prospect. So, uh, you know, not like the Colts didn't get a great player um, in Julius Brents, and then Josh Downs uh, was actually ranked higher than Hyatt by CBS. So, um, you know, the just you know, I, I try to find some things to be critical because I was thinking I was like, am I being too am I being too soft? Um, you know, given because I feel like I've given you know Ballard a B like the last few years, um, and so I was like, am I being too soft? Um, and so I, that's what I was kind of looking at there when I was so even when I try to nitpick uh, the draft, um, you know, I, I've you know ended up being like, okay, actually no, that was a good pick. Oh yeah, no, I actually like that pick now that I think about it a little bit more. You know, all in all, this was a typical Ballard draft where he ended up uh, with a boatload of draft capital um, and brought in a lot of strong talent and depth and hit on all the team needs exactly. Um, you know, I went through our old outlines um, and looked at the other draft grades I've given out. I was afraid I was being too, criti too critical, like I said. Uh, first year we did grades was 2020, and that was the Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman draft. I gave that one an A, so I was like, okay, based on that curve, um, I don't know if I, I quite want to go – um, you know, with an A for this one, it's definitely close to that mark. It's probably the closest we've been to that mark. Um, I gave 2021 a C, 2022 a B, so I feel uh, better about a B plus here. So it was, it's right there on that threshold of being an A minus B plus. But um, needless to say, I was pessimistic about this draft, and I, I definitely um am not coming out on the other side of it. Yeah, I mean. This draft, I, like I was telling you off air, I thought Chris Ballard, you know, outside of the Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman draft, I mean, because that obviously yielded two really good talents. Um, I felt he knocked this one out of the park. I mean, he hit on every team need. He uh, brought in, got good value, I feel like, at with some of these picks where he ended up getting them. Like, 
Julius Brents, I didn't think they were he would be available like for them to trade back twice and for him to still be available. I know like, everybody thought the Colts loved Keely Ringo. He would have been a you know a good pickup as well. Uh, Julius Brents has the size though, um, and I think one of the deciding factors also he is an Indianapolis native. He's a graduate of Warren Central High School, so that always helps as well. But and that obviously probably wasn't the deciding factor. There was other reasons, but you know this just draft. I'm gonna give it a solid A because when I start going through it, I I look at like obviously Anthony Richardson um, was a, I thought was a, was a great pick. I mean. He's going to take a little bit of time to develop, um, but the Colts having Gardner Minshew allows, does afford that ability, and also because the Colts aren't in a win-now mode. Um, but Anthony Richardson paired with Shane Steichen, this is going to be, has the potential to be a really, really good uh, pickup. I mean, Anthony Richardson's comp uh, by a lot of people on ESPN on draft day, they were comparing him to Cam Newton with a little bit of a higher upside. So that that's actually really exciting to see. Um, and then be able to get Josh Downs in the third round. I mean, that was, I thought he would be going about where the Colts were picking originally in the second round. So being able to pick him up there is, is great. Blake Freeland is a guy that I was really hoping the Colts would land. He's a super athletic uh, tackle. He does have, he's, really good in the run block, which is, hey, that's great with Jonathan Taylor. He does have to get a little bit better with his pass blocking, but that's that's fine. Honestly, Blake Freeland, if he could add about 20 more pounds to his frame, he he could potentially be a starting tackle on this offensive line. Um, I I don't know too much about the add a Tamiwa, add a Barre uh, pick. Because um, when you watch Northwestern, you're just they weren't very good this year. Uh, so he did nothing really stood out there. I mean, if you, I was, I'll be honest, I wasn't consistently watching Northwestern because of that. Uh, Darius Rush, he's such an interesting prospect to me because he came into college. He started off as a wide receiver and just recently made the switch to cornerback. Uh, he's got amazing speed. He was one of the graded out as one of the fastest corners at the combine this year. Uh, so that's really great. Daniel Scott is interesting to me as well. He's going to be a key special teams player, but he's also one of those guys that he can step back in the safety role or he can come up and play in the slot uh, at corner as well. And honestly, I kind of hope he makes a good name for himself because I would love to buy a Daniel Scott jersey um, just to have a jersey that says Scott and actually be a player on the team. Uh, Will Mallory, that was an interesting pick. Um, I knew I've kind of you kind of laughed at me when I said the Colts should pick a tight end you said that's a that's a that's a full room you're right it is Will Mallory though graded out as one of the faster uh, tight ends in the draft also fun fact he is the grandson of the late Indiana football coach Bill Mallory so a little bit of a tie there Evan Hall I love this pick he kind of fits into the the scheme a little bit of where Naheem Hines has been in the past uh he is a good running back, but he's also he's more well known for his pass catching abilities out of the backfield. So I can't wait to see what they do with him. Um, Wagner linebacker Titus Leo. I feel like this could be one of those picks that you know Chris Ballard always finds a diamond in the rough, and that kind of is what this pick is. 
And then uh, Texas A&M quarterback, Jalen Jones. I mean, for somebody that, you know, was pretty much a shutdown corner in the SEC to fall to the seventh round, that's really interesting to me. And then Jake Witt, another athletic offensive lineman coming from Northern Michigan. There's not much tape or numbers on him because he's coming from Northern Michigan. Uh, They just didn't have much info, but I love that pick as well. Good value in the seventh round. Look, the Colts, what the big theme of the draft for them this year was athletic ability. This team, uh, the Colts put together one of the most athletic halls in the 2023 NFL draft. If you look at the relative athletic scores for the players that the Colts picked up, uh, I mean, Anthony Richardson with a perfect score of 10. Julius Brents with a 9.99. Josh Downs with an 8.99. Blake Freeland with a 9.83. Adi Tamwa, Abade, Abade, uh, yeah, uh, 9.72. Darius Russ, 9.8. Daniel Scott, 9.94. Will Mallory, 9.05. Evan Hall, 9.32. Titus Leo, 8.48. Jalen Jones, 8.79. And there wasn't a relative score for Tyler Witt um, because they're just, or Jake, Jake Witt, just because there was not any, he was not at the combine and there wasn't really any information available for him. But I mean, this just shows that Ballard was looking to bring in an influx of elite athletes in this draft. And he accomplished that hands down. Um, and it, it like as I, as you, as I said, you can see in the relative athletic score, um, the Colts, I feel like, knocked this one out of the park and were one of the, the better drafting teams this year. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about all that athleticism, and that's what like really makes me um, excited to watch these guys get on the field because, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, it really feels like um, the Colts are starting to get a, uh, a strong, like, core for the future. It, it kind of it finally kind of after, you know, last season really didn't, you didn't really know what direction the Colts were going in. Now you finally kind of see a direction and, you know, I'm excited to watch a lot of these guys get on the field. I mean, first and foremost, you know, Anthony Richardson, I think he might be the most excited. I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know I'm, I, I'm probably the most excited to see him get on the field. I know that's kind of the obvious, yeah. you know, the obvious one getting off the, get off, getting off the jump here, but you know, touched on it last week. You touched on it as well. His player comp uh, was Cam Newton on CBS. On e- his comp on ESPN is Josh Allen. Um, and most importantly, um, it was noted on, in his post draft analysis that uh, you know by ESPN that he has similar traits to Jalen Hurts, who Shane Steichen turned into a Super Bowl caliber quarterback uh, this past season. You know, you touched on Gardner Minshew as well. I'm really, you know, I, I say I'm excited to watch Anthony Richardson. I'm actually hope, hoping that I'll be seeing Gardner Minshew for the first, you know, few weeks as, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson develops. And I think it also hey, matters. Jim Ursay that- has come out and said that it is ulti- – or Ursay and Ballard have come out and said it is ultimately up to Coach Steichen of when – the reins will be handed over to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and I, I what I think it makes it all that more more better is the fact that Minshew played for the Eagles last season. He was in Shane Steichen's system, and that may even help kind of accelerate 
um, accelerate the you know learning curve that Anthony Richardson is going to have and the development developmental curve because you know hey if he's got any issues you know he's got a guy right in that room um, aside from Syke and who can be like hey this is how things are done um, so that's really uh, something that could be cool um, you know I could see the plan being starting Minshew Mania until the bye week usually the Colts have a later bye week so I can see you know hey it's it's week ten. The Colts are going into their their bye week. They're you know whatever, or maybe even whatever week they play on Thursday. Uh, that could also be an option as well. You know they they're gearing up for a Thursday night game. They play their Thursday night game against the Broncos, a rematch of the greatest oh, Thursday night game of oh, all time. God. You're um, and, you're, uh, you're bringing up. Uh, I I saw a TikTok recently, uh, just this a couple days ago of somebody saying, "Ah, oh, great! Here's a potential Thursday night matchup we can see in the future: Will Levis versus Anthony yeah. Richardson. Four touchdowns thrown to six interceptions combined between two <laughs> quarterbacks. Because the biggest knock on both of those quarterbacks, obviously, was accuracy. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a potential Thursday night matchup because that's one we've seen before: the Titans and the Colts several times right yeah so i mean it could be it could be either like basically the second buy that you get with uh with that or you could see um you know after their actual buy so that's a really cool thing uh richardson's an elite athlete he's gonna go into the season with a lot of talent as, at his disposal i mean you know looking at just kind of down the roster i mean hopefully you're gonna get a full season of a healthy jt you've got zach moss who at the end of the season showed flashes you bring in hall uh josh downs joins a, a wide receiver core uh, of Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie. You know, you did mention the full tight end room. Uh, it's headlined by Kylan Grants and Jelani Woods. Unfortunately, I can kind of see Moali Cox kind of being on that, uh, you know, edge of yeah, being but pushed. He's, I mean, he is your best inline blocker in that room. Right. So I don't. Veteran presence. I mean, so that, that's what's really tough is like if you're going to go for a running game, like an RPO type uh, yeah, that's true. strategy, I mean, Mo Ali Cox right there is one of your better blockers at, at tight end, whereas that's where Will Mallory was at one of the weakest. He was he's not a very good blocker, but so I I, I don't know that it's going to be interesting because that room is very crowded. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like this is the right system for Anthony Richardson. Uh, you know, and there's a great young core around him for him to thrive in. So really excited to see him. Uh, you know, and and that's. You know, there's a lot of exciting things about what they did on defense as well. I mean, you know, Aditamewa, Adibare, um, you know, he's got great strength and speed, ran the fastest. You know, you talked, we've talked about athleticism a lot tonight already. You know, he ran the fastest 40-yard dash of any player over 280 pounds since 2006 at the combine earlier this Athletes. year. Athletes. Exactly. Athletes. And not only that, not only is he quick. But he's got versatility. He can play on the edge. He can move inside a defensive tackle. Um, you love that versatility, and you know, the, and which is great because you have an already great D line that the Colts are already. Uh, you know, you have a lot of great players on that defensive line for the Colts, and so that you ha- now that you bring in another guy who can kind of move around and, and be plugged in where he's needed, that just makes him all that more uh, better. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of players to be excited about for the Colts this year. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, on offense, you you look at Anthony Richardson first and foremost. But for me, I'm really kind of looking at Josh Downs as my player I'm most excited for. Um, Everybody thought when Will McKenzie or Isaiah McKenzie was brought in that he was going to be the the starter from the get-go, the replacement of Paris Campbell. Um, I'm not 100% sure of that anymore because of what Josh Downs brings to the table. Um, I mean, 
he has great control of his body. He knows how to make contested catches, uh, whether it's on the outside, the inside, across the middle. I mean, he he's he's going to be a fun one to watch. I mean, when we look at his size and everything, is I think his biggest comparable is T.Y. Hilton for this team because, look, when T.Y. was drafted, I said it. I didn't think he was going to be much of anything more than a glorified punt returner. Josh Downs can do that as well. Um, so, I mean, Josh Downs has the ability, I think, is going to give the Colts something that they haven't had since T.Y. Hilton was kind of more in his prime. We all Something that we all thought Paris Campbell could become, but just couldn't stay healthy. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see the, what kind of element Josh Downs brings to this Colts offense, especially with the way Shane Steichen's going to run it. I can't wait. I, can I say Shane Steichen as the player I'm most excited <laughs> to see on offense, even though he's the head coach, I can't wait to see what he is able to do, the kind of offense he chooses to run with this team, just based off of what we saw from Philadelphia recently. Um, On defense, the player that I'm most excited to, uh, I'm I'm most excited to watch there is uh, South Carolina cornerback Darius Rush. Like I said, uh, he used to play wide receiver, switched over to corner. Uh, One of the things about him is he, you know, he he's not a, a clean route runner with wide receivers all the time, uh, but he's got the speed to make up for that. He ran in the four, three range uh, for the 40 at the combine. So he's one of the, he, he's fast. Um, so he's got the speed. He knows how to high point a ball. His uh, background as a wide receiver is going to pay dividends here for him. Because he's got that size, he's got the speed, and he he can think like a wide receiver. So I'm really excited to watch him. I guess second for me would obviously be Julius Brent, uh, just because of his size as well. I mean, look, Gus Bradley has has he's going to make over making over this secondary here. He's bringing in the players that he like the attributes that he likes in his secondary players, and that's 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 length and this draft for the Colts was not lacking in length in the defensive secondary for sure so before we move on to the draft as a whole um one final kind of question here on a scale of hot to cold what's your level of optimism from this draft uh for me for me it's warm uh you know as I noted before I went in the draft very pessimistic you know, as we all know, I you know I said like I said, Ballard addressed all the Colts' needs. Uh, he didn't do anything crazy, and he came away with twelve picks. Um, you know, I, I said it before that uh, I said it last week that, or maybe it was the, during the Colts draft preview that I said like it's it basically my optimism level all hinges on the first pick, and a lot of the pessimism came from the you know discussion and the talks and the rumors that the Colts were going to take Will Levis. I did not want Will Levis. I thought, you know, yes, you have your obvious one and two in Stroud and Young. Um, you have your, you know, and then after that, you have Richardson-Levis, and then after that, there's another drop-off. And I thought between those two, uh, Richardson, you know, I kind of came around on Richardson. I, I talked myself into it. Not, and I feel different from the time from last year when I talked myself into Matt Ryan. <laughs> last year, I, I, I didn't really, I didn't like the decision to go get Matt Ryan. I talked myself into it, and then I like my gut instinct was right all along. Um, not necessarily that he'd be that bad, but that he wasn't the solution the Colts necessarily needed this year. You know, I, I, I 
I was so like excited to potentially get Stroud, and then once that was off the board, I kind of got pessimistic. But then I, you know, I looked at Richardson and Levis. I came around on Richardson. So when all the discussion was, oh hey, the Colts are going to take Levis, I was like, please, please do not take Will Levis. Uh, I mean, if you need any bigger red flag, he puts mayo in his coffee. That's all you need to know about him. Um, <laughs> and so, well, no, I, actually, if you if you listen to what some of the guys were like, uh, Mel Kiper and them were talking about with one of the biggest reasons he fell was teams just get turned off by some of the stuff that they saw from him, such as the mirror selfies, the, his infatuation with the gun show with his arms. It's like, look tight. Like quarterbacks don't look like that anymore. Like even like the Peyton Mannings of the world, they didn't, they weren't like ripping these huge biceps or anything. So the infatuation he had with himself was something that really turned teams off and was a one of the key contributors to why he fell. Right. They just it's like if if you're if you're too into yourself, how are you going to be able to handle leading a team? But yeah, to tie a bow on it, that that my my pessimism was that I didn't want the Colts to draft Will Levis. I knew the the fourth pick was going to kind of set the tone for how the draft was going to go and and how you know I was going to view the draft. And so when it got off hot with them getting Richardson, um, I, I felt pretty good from there on out. So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm back into positive vibes, positive spirits when it comes to the Colts. So for me, I'm I'm warmer than warm, but not hot. I'm kind of somewhere in between, you know, that that perfect place where you get in the shower and it's like, yeah, this is a perfect temperature. Um, I say that because the Colts, they answered a lot of questions, filled in a lot of needs, but they are still in a position where we all kind of, no, like we cannot one, we can all see a general direction they're going in, which is great. That's what the Colts needed. They needed a vision. The Colts have a vision now. They know the direction they want to go in, and it's eventually we're going to get there. It's just be prepared for another bumpy season. And I'm actually I I'm kind of happy about that, just based off of the prospects coming into next year's draft, which is absolutely loaded. Now the Colts. You know, most likely, if you know, even just just because they'd be possibly picking in the top five, top ten, doesn't mean they need a quarterback. Um, you know, we can't be a Tennessee and draft a new quarterback in hopes that that's the replacement uh, every year. But the Colts have the opportunity, you know, to gain these young guys' experience and still be able to build for the future to become a legitimate long-term Super Bowl contender. And I, that makes me very optimistic about the future. Does that make me, am I optimistic as far as wins go for this next season? No, I, I, I'm not. Um, but that it, in, the, in the long run, that's actually a good thing. So, but hey, if I'm proven wrong and the Colts come out and look a ton better and make the playoffs. I'd be like, Hey, that's fine because that means the development of these players is, is ahead of schedule. Yeah. Did we miss out on a player like Marvin Harrison jr? Yeah, we did, but Hey, it's okay because um, things are looking better now. So I think it's going to be a win-win regardless 
Oh yeah, I, like next I said, season. Like I said, I, I think it finally seems like the Colts have a direction where for a lot of last year and this offseason to start off with, it did not look like and that was going to be the And the Colts case. actually have a quarterback that's different. It's different for the Colts. I mean, Andrew Luck was probably the most athletic quarterback the Colts have had in recent memory. And, I mean, by no means was he like a tuck it and run as much as he can type player. He did out of necessity and look where that got him. But, um, you know, the Colts like recently have just been bringing in these statues almost. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to watch a player like Anthony Richardson under center with the Colts. And, I mean, oh, my gosh, him and Jonathan Taylor, that tandem could has the potential to be one of the best QB running back tandems in the NFL because now with Anthony Richardson out there, defenses are going to have to pause for a second when he goes to hand off the ball because is he keeping it? Is he really handing it to Jonathan Taylor? They have to read the moment, and that's going to give either one of them enough time to put up some pretty big numbers. So I, some, I read somewhere, somebody say, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's uh, touches may decrease, but ultimately could see his yardage go up because of um, the threat of Anthony Richardson running. I, I like that you brought up Andrew Luck because that's another thought that I had, I think, either yesterday morning or th- this morning where I was like, hopefully Richardson can come out and, and be – you know, I I mean, obviously he's not the prospect that Andrew Luck was, but hopefully he can come out and be good because I am so tired of Ryan Grigson getting credit for drafting Andrew Luck. <laughs> so hopefully now, uh, you know, drafting Anthony Richardson, he can become a good enough player to where that kind of quiets that that part of the Grigson is better than uh, Ballard uh, uh, tandem there. Um, so hopefully that can be the case. Um, but let's go ahead before we get out of here. Let's go ahead and talk about the draft as a whole. Um, because there was a lot of uh, you know things to look at as far as the NFL draft as a whole. Um, you know, first of all, you know there were some big surprises, um, both in terms of where guys were drafted as far as well as uh, where guys fell. Um, and that you know, of course, we'll get to that a little bit because I think you know the biggest story obviously was how far you know a certain player fell uh, in this draft. But you know, this draft really kind of confused me as far as the cornerback position is, is concerned. Um, you know, that's kind of where, uh, you know, I want to start off with as far as surprises go. Um, you know, because CBS, for, for starters, CBS had uh, Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez as the seventh best prospect off the board. Um, a lot of mocks had him going in the top 10. He goes to the Pats at 17, which is super scary. You know, ra- reminds me of when they got Patrick Chung, who ended up being a good player for them out of Oregon. Um, you know, the Pats defense are already has some great playmakers. They were a top eight defensive team last season. Um, and they'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what that defense does now that they're going to be going up against, you know, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tua um, next season. So that division is going to be as is going to be fun as always. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, was a first rounder in a lot of mocks I saw. And like, I know, I, I know he literally he went top 10. Right. Mocked in a lot of drafts. Right. And so, like, I, I know, obviously, he got picked, like, literally, like, the first pick of the second round. So, that's not, like, super, you know, super far off. But technically, still, technically, that should have been the, first the last round, pick of the first round. Because he's 32nd. Yeah. So, 
but yeah. but still though he was he was supposed to go in the first round and higher than he was like he was supposed to go like comfortably in the first round and he did and he went in the second round which was confusing and then Keely Ringo I think was the biggest uh, surprise because he was projected as a second rounder um, according to NFL.com and he went uh, in the fourth round to Philly so that was um, that was a surprising thing um, but yeah I. I, I there was a lot, a lot of players in this draft that I like. I feel like were projected to go higher, and they ended up, you know, going lower than expected and slipping a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there there were quite a few. But um, on the Joey Porter thing, how cool is it that he's gonna play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, where his dad played? Oh yeah, that's, um, and, a, that's and amazing. made a big name for himself. Um, that's really cool. That also makes me feel old. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the cornerbacks that is interesting as well. I mean, Devin Witherspoon being the first corner off the board, that's not too surprising. He was projected to be up around there anyways, but for Christian Gonzalez to be, uh, the third corner off the board and behind a, a manual Forbes for Mississippi state, that was definitely surprising. But the thing that stood out to me the most was how much teams put, um, I guess, uh, higher grades on running backs in the top 15. We saw B. John Robinson go number eight to the Atlanta Falcons and Jameer Gibbs go number 12 to the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, typically you're going to find here recently, you're going to find good value or some you know, really good value of at running back late in the first round, definitely early in the second round. And I think, I, I feel like, Jameer Gibbs, at least maybe not Bijan Robinson, but Jameer Gibbs was projected to be somebody that was picked around the early part of the second round, late end of the first round. So for him to be picked 12th, I feel like that was kind of a reach. I mean, is, is he going to be a good player for the Detroit Lions? I, I think so. I think yes. Um, but I feel like they're going to put way too much on his shoulders early, especially after they traded DeAndre Swift to the Philadelphia Eagles. That is I'm afraid Detroit's going to get not burned, but it's going to be a letdown for them. He's going to be a good player, but I don't think it's going to be immediately. And I don't think it's going to be, he's going to be able to put up the production that DeAndre Swift put up for them in the past. So I, my biggest surprise was definitely seeing two running backs picked in the top 15. Well, and remember, uh, they also Lions also let Jamal Jamal Williams walk this offseason as well. So yeah, that that running back uh, there's going to be a lot of question marks in that running back room going into the season. That's for sure. Um, in terms of how far they fell, um, you know that's the big <laughs> that was the big discussion on night number one uh, with Will Levis falling. It is kind of wild that Tennessee the last two years ends up you know coming away with the quarterback that fell the furthest. Um, you know they. Where you know we thought that heck, I think last year we had uh, Malik Willis, you know, in the top ten. Um, you know, we had a team taking a flyer on him. He ended up going in the third round this year. Will Levis. A lot of the talk was that he was going to be you know second overall um, potentially, and he ends up uh, going in the second round. Um, you know, uh, you know, he was talked about a lot as the option for the Colts. Um, so when he started to fall, it, it's just kind of one of those surprising things. And I, I was listening to a, another podcast. Uh, the Ryan Rosillo podcast where they were interviewing, you know, a draft expert, and he was talking about how, you know, it's surprising that a team didn't trade back into the first round to get Will Levis. 
um, in in the sense that like I know I know trading for a first round pick obviously will come with a lot of draft capital that you have to give up, but also you get that fifth year option uh, tagged on with a first round pick as opposed to a second round pick. So interesting um, decision there. Um, but you know the the comps I've seen for. Uh, uh, for Will Levis have been all over the place. I mean, I've seen him compared to Josh Allen. I've seen him compared to J- uh, Jay Cutler. I've seen him compared to Carson Wentz. Um, so his, his ceiling's really high. His uh, floor is really low. Um, so you know it may it may turn into one of those things where we're talking about it in a few years. Like look out, look all thirty two teams passed on. Uh, you know, the chance to go get Will Levis, or we're talking about him, you know, hey, you know what, we thought he was going to fizzle out, and he ended up fizzling out. So uh, who knows where he's going to end up, but definitely one of the biggest surprises of the of the entire draft was Will Levis uh, falling. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's hand, that is easily the biggest surprise. But for me, I guess the other one I'm going to look at is tight end Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. He was projected to be top 20 top 25 pick um it looked like it he was graded out as the second best uh tight end overall on the draft boards for most people behind dalton kincaid dalton kincaid was just he's a, a beast among he was just a different type of prospect but uh for michael mayer to end up going 35th overall in the third tight end selected behind, he was selected right behind sam laporta um is kind of interesting. Yeah, I know the knock on him is he has doesn't have the longer arms that you like to have from a tight end, but you know he was very productive. Um, I, I was honestly really surprised to see him fall. The other player that kind of stood out to me that fell pretty far was um, Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz. Uh, he was viewed as the best interior or best center in in this draft. Uh, but he fell pretty far. I mean, honestly, when you look at this draft, it, teams weren't very high on um, interior offensive linemen. And there was some good value there for them, I thought. But they just weren't picked quite. Like, some people thought John Michael Schmitz would be a first-round pick, and he ended up being the second center off the board uh, behind Joe Tip- Topman from Wisconsin. Um, that so I think those two players really stood out to me the most for falling. Obviously, Julius Brents and Josh Downs for the Colts. I've already gone over those two. Kind of fell a little bit farther. Keely Ringo from Georgia falling all the way to the fourth round. That was another one as well. But I think Michael Mayer falling out of the first round and it ended up being the third tight end taken was kind of a big surprise to me. Now one kind of interesting thing with Levis going to uh, the Titans at 33 is the fact that three of the four AFC South teams selected quarterbacks in this draft. You see C.J. Stroud go number two to the Texans, Anthony Richardson go number four to the Colts, and of course Will Levis going at 33 to the Titans. Um, and so I thought it might be a fun exercise, especially with, with what we did last week, talking about like, oh, could Bryce Young going to the Panthers, could that mean the Panthers are a – uh, you know, a playoff team, you know, what does the AFC South outlook look like? I mean, this, you know, what's our way too early AFC South predictions? Um, you know, since 9-8 and eight won the division last season and 75% of the AFC South teams finished below 500, you know, what does this look like? Um, and, you know, for me, you know, looking at what the AFC South looks like, I think Jacksonville is still going to be the team to beat. 
you know, they they have a top 10 offense or had a top 10 offense last season in terms of points per game. Trevor Lawrence made great strides in year two. Uh, that was a passing offense that was top 10 last season. Oh, by the way, they bring in Calvin Ridley, who's ready to, to prove a few points this season. Um, it was the best scoring defense of uh, AFC South teams in 2022. Uh, ESPN isn't really fond of their draft, um, but they did hit on uh, all their positions, uh, you know, of need. Uh, NFL.com had them as a B plus as far as their draft is concerned. Um, so I think Jacksonville is still the team that I would go with. Uh, Tennessee number two. Um, Ryan Tannehill is still listed as the QB one on the depth chart. You know, he, and after not missing a game the last two seasons, Tannehill only started twelve games last season. So he's typically been durable in Tennessee. Uh, just ran into some injuries last season, so he should be back. But even then, quarterback play obviously isn't super important. Um, it's not what defines the Titans' offense. They've been in the bottom half of the league in passing the last two seasons, including the bottom three last year. This was a team that you know nearly beat the Chiefs with Malik Willis only throwing for 84 yards and did beat the Texans uh, with Malik Willis only having like 54 yards passing. So, um, you know, they obviously their strength is Derrick Henry, um, and that's kind of the biggest difference from when they were the number one seed in the AFC in 2021 and the, uh, you know, and out of the playoffs last season is that the running game went from fifth in 2021 to 13th last year, um, and then they, they remedied that. Um, you know, they added their uh, they added depth to their offensive line by taking Peter uh, Skaronski at 11, uh, Jalen Duncan at 186. So I think the Titans, um, you know, they have they in my opinion, Mike Vrabel is the best coach in the AFC South. I think he's going to, um, you know, have this team back on track. It's a close toss up between them and Jacksonville, but I think those are two the, still the two best teams in that division. And then I go back and forth uh, with the Texans and the Colts. I mean, both teams have first-year head coaches. Uh, both teams took quarterbacks with their first picks. Uh, both were uh, bottom four of the league, uh, in the bottom fourth of the league, in scoring offense, total offense, and scoring defense. Um, I think I'm going to lean Colts for third. Um, I'll take the talent in Indy. Uh, and what they have on offense and JT uh, and uh, Michael Pittman uh, compared to what the Texans have. D'Amico Ryans is a defensive mind, and they have a lot of sound players on that side. They get Will Anderson. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Colts still have a, def- a good defense in their own right. Um, so I, I think I like the offense for the Colts better than I like the offense for the Texans. So, it, it, so at the end of the day, it ends up being the same exact order as it finished out last year. I thought maybe, maybe by doing this exercise, I might find you know a reason to maybe put you know flip flop some teams. But I think I think after all, kind of the dust settles and oh hey, look three qu- three quarterbacks went to the same division. I think it's going to look more more of the same at least for you know the first season. Yeah, I mean Jacksonville. I mean, they're you're the division winner from la- the reigning division champ. It's yours until otherwise proven. Um, you know, I thought they had a pretty good draft. I mean, Anton Harrison in the first round, you got to protect Trevor Lawrence and then Britton Strange at tight end, giving him some a little bit more weapons. I, I, I thought they had a good draft, but um, obviously you, they have the most. They have the youngest, most experienced quarterback, I feel like in, in the AFC South, I I put youngest there because obviously Ryan Tannehill is the most experienced overall, but um, yeah, Jacksonville at one, I am, I'm going with you as well. Tennessee at two. Um, I just felt like the injury bug really hit them hard last year. And that team is better than what their final record was. So I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tennessee 
as the as the division winner. But for now, I'm putting them at two. Um, I am going to put the Texans at three just because uh, I feel like CJ Stroud is a little bit more of a plug and play player immediately. Uh, and the Colts will be kind of figuring out like grooming Anthony Richardson to get him ready to play. So there's going to be kind of that back and forth and that could be a little bit of a distraction, not a bad distraction, but a distraction nonetheless, because you know, you're going to be splitting reps between Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew, obviously. So there's not that continuity is going to be tough to come by. So I am putting the Texans as the third team in the standings for the AFC South. And then I'm going to put the Colts at the four um, for right now. But yeah, it's just kind of based off of the drafts. I mean, Will Anderson is if, if the Colts offensive line plays the way they did last year, Will Anderson's going to eat whoever the Colts quarterback is alive early on. So that's, that's going to be tough to, to overcome. And also with a defensive minded coach, look, you got two heavily defensive minded coaches in this division. You got, and you got two offensive minded coaches as well. So it, it's, it's going to be, it's an interesting division because of the young, the quarterback youth movement that we could see in the next year or so. So yeah, but th- that's kind of where I stand with the AFC South right now. Yeah, for sure. I th- I think um I think the Colts and Texans are going to make strides forward. Um, but yeah, still at the bottom of the division. And then, yeah, I think Titans and and Jaguars are still kind of the the class of that division. Um, one last thing today uh, that I want to get to is our way too early rookie of the year predictions. Um, for offense and defense. So, uh, looking at the uh, looking at that, um, you know who we think is going to be. Uh, you know, the rookie of the year on the offensive side, you know, it's hard not to go Bryce Young here, especially with what we talked about last week with uh, the possibility of the Panthers, you know, winning the NFC South. Um, you know, and obviously if, if the if the Panthers go out and win the NFC South, um, you know, then I think he's going to be the easy, you know, easy pick for that uh, honor. But I'm actually going to go with Jordan Addison here. Um, you know, he was drafted 24th overall by the Vikings. Wide receivers have won the last two offensive rookie of the year honors. I know last week I, I, you know, bumped up the point that like, oh, running backs have won for the last 10. Well, it hasn't happened since 2018. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the, la- the last two have been wide receivers. He was the Blitnikoff award winner in 2021. He had first all, he first team all ACC honors and first team all pack 12 honors the last two seasons. His player comp is Keenan Allen. Uh, Minnesota has a good chance to win the NFC North, um, and if they if they aren't already favorites to win the division going into the season, the Vikings were sixth in passing last season. Adam Thielen no longer there, and obviously Justin Jefferson's going to command a lot of attention on uh, that side of the ball. He's going to you know a lot of teams are going to hone in on him defensively, and that's going to open up the door for a guy like Addison to get some solid touches, get some good um, playing time in, get some good, uh, you know, have some great numbers. And so that's why I'm going with him on the offensive side. I think he, he's primed to have a, a fantastic year uh, at the uh, wide receiver position and win offensive rookie of the year. 
My pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year, you know, I tried to look at the positions there. Uh, no position has won in consecutive seasons since 2013-2014, so that rules out the cornerback position because Sauce Gardner came away with it last year. Um, it's tough not to go Will Anderson here. Uh, he's got a he's, His player comes Von Miller, who was literally the Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2011. So, I mean, you know, if you want to, you know, kind of a quick answer there, it's kind of like boom, boom, there you go. The guy that... You know, it was the third pick in the draft. It was literally compared to a guy who's won Defensive Rookie of the Year before. But I'm actually going to go with Jalen Carter. Uh, first team all all SEC in 2022. It's an he goes to an Eagles team uh, that defensively had an astounding 70 sacks in 2022, which is the third most by a team uh, for a single season. And you know, sure, the numbers won't be that crazy this year. I mean, it's, they're not going to replicate that year. It's just not going to happen. But at the same time. You know, he's being inserted into a defense that's only going to, um, you know, he's being inserted into a defense where he's going to do nothing but boost that defense and make them just as good. He's going to be a force on that defensive line. Um, that defensive line is seasoned. They're going to be able to help him. Um, his, what I think is funny, too, is that his player comp is Fletcher Cox, is Fletcher Cox who's literally his teammate in Philly. So, um, I think uh, that's going to just do nothing but, uh, you know, give him what he needs to, to be successful. And I think his career gets going with uh, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to start with my defensive one because I'm going with Jalen Carter as well. I think he's going to come in. Um, he the off the field issues with him were. You know, he was involved in the car wreck that killed um, a Georgia staffer um, and a player. Um, he was in the car that the other car that they were racing. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like any, it, okay. It was bad, but it wasn't like, man, this guy, you know, been popped for, for drugs and this, that, and the other, um, you know, I think Jalen Carter is going to come in, put his nose down, really learn from Fletcher Cox. Having somebody like that in the room with him is going to really help him immensely. Uh, he's going to come in, have a chip on his shoulder, put his nose down, and just play hard. And And I think he's going to do really well for the Philadelphia Bulldogs. I mean, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously, that yeah. defense is the is the last two Georgia defenses hey, that have been but, considered some of the best. But you know what? Like honestly, that's not a bad strategy if you think about it. it no. Because like I uh, that same podcast I was listening to, uh, you know, the Rasilla podcast about you know where they're talking about uh, you know the draft, and he was like, they're like, look, you know, there was a period of time for a while that if the Dolphins had just drafted you know players from the University of Miami, like they would have been a really good team <laughs> because they're like, sometimes just don't overthink it. Take the, take the players from the best team in the, in the country. Well, and like Howie Roseman, their GM said like, look, it is a big adjustment for a player to come into the NFL. And it's pretty much like being a freshman again, your rookie year. And if you can bring, have a bunch of guys come in from the same team, that kind of helps the transition process a lot better for them because it's like when you go to college and you're you're living with like your best friend um you know you're making that transition from high school to college and it's so much smoother to have a group of friends that you've grown up with or have been with for a while to make that transition together uh you know 
So that really helps. And I, I didn't never thought of it that way. Howie Roseman was, was hit the nail right on the head. I thought, I mean, but we're all going to make fun of them still because uh, all they've been doing is drafting Alabama and Georgia players. And well, it's working. Right. So, <laughs> pretty I sure. Mean, pretty sure they were in the Super Bowl this past year. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. I think, it, I think it's going well. And what's funny is like, he goes, yeah, we don't all, we don't have a ton of Georgia players. It's not all Georgia players. And about the same time, the news was breaking that they traded for DeAndre Swift. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, maybe we do, <laughs> but all right, moving on to offensive. This one I think is a little bit harder to pick. Um, there's three players I'm looking at. I'm looking at uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, one, because for these first two are going to be pretty similar reasons. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be playing alongside DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So there's going to be opportunity there for him um, it, it, to be that open guy because that, that's a that's a that's a pretty that's going to be a sneaky good wide receiving core in Seattle. Um, the other player that I'm looking at is Zay Flowers, the wide receiver out of Boston College. He went to the Baltimore Ravens. He's got a league MVP throwing to him. And then at the same time, they, they've been bringing in pieces to help the wide receiving core uh, with for um, Lamar Jackson. So he's going to be playing alongside Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that same reasons for Jackson Smith and Jigba go for uh, Zay Flowers as well. But the player that I'm going to ultimately land on as my offensive MV, uh, rookie of the year is uh, running back Bijan Robinson, who was taken eighth overall by the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, I know. I said earlier that the big one of the biggest surprises to me was the value of, that teams put on running backs early in this draft. Bijan Robinson was one of those players though that was worthy of that uh, grade. He is he's probably the best running back uh, prospect like all around, probably since Saquon Barkley. Um, I would kind of put a little bit of a player comp there for him. And also the fit, the scheme that Atlanta likes to run. Atlanta is a heavy run team and Bijan Robinson is, he's like, he's, he's really good. He is a legit running back. Good. Um, And I I think when you look at that scheme and how many touches he's actually going to get, that's going to help him in the voting because his numbers are going to be inflated just due to the scheme he's in. And, you know, that it's, it's, a, it's a great fit overall. So I'm picking Bijan Robinson because not only is he a good running back, but he can also catch the ball out of the backfield, um, and which can end up also being a new quarterback's best friend if they end up running with Desmond Ritter this year at quarterback. That That's going to be a big security blanket for him there. Um, so I, I, that's what I'm going with. I think just based off of scheme, he's got the opportunity to put up huge numbers early uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I mean, his, his player comp uh, for like a couple of the mocks that I saw was uh, was Saquon Barkley, and that's one of the reasons why I said like, hey, he could, he's going to make an impact no matter where he goes because who couldn't use another Saquon Barkley? 
on their team. So, um, you know, that's going to be good. And also, I mean, again, another team, you know, that NFC South is wide open. So if the Falcons are good and he's the reason, he could very well be the, the reason why. So that, that's a good pick uh, for B. John Robinson there. Um, but that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out. Remember, you can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go follow us over on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Go over to the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, If you're not already there, you know, subscribe, like, ring the bell. Go like, go follow us over on tiktok uh you know we're at we're over uh, 2.5k over there so go uh you know give us some love um and remember you can listen to us every week on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever podcasts can be heard you can hear the crash course podcast you can find me at crash course fm on twitter b scott where can they find you you can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. Well, uh, as you guys all know, it's the month of May, and that's what we'll be getting into next week. We'll be talking about IndyCar, getting ready for the Indy GP, and gearing up uh, for the Indy 500. It's going to be a lot of fun. Excited to talk about that. But until then, have a good week, everybody.